Well, today... Uh, I'm going to be sharing and beginning a series that I'll get to in just a moment. But before I get to it, I just want to say uh, thank you for all the wonderful feedback as we've launched our theme for 2022. Our theme for 2022 is to see brilliant, to make brilliant disciple makers. It's a real emphasis of our church this year. Our vision is to see transformed lives, and that's really a way of saying a disciples made to become like Jesus. And so we've really determined that 2022. We're going to dig deeper into the whole culture of making disciples and equipping people to be brilliant disciple makers. And I've heard a lot of great feedback of people who are excited about us as a church really digging deep into that culture. And, and the, the spirit of a disciple maker really is just that heart to come alongside people, to walk with them, and to help them become fully immersed, fully surrendered followers of Jesus, fully immersed and fully surrendered followers. And so uh, what I want to say before I get into the message is this Wednesday morning at six o'clock on site, Sunshine Coast, the, the rain will be gone, the flooding will be gone. Melbourne, I know six o'clock in the morning is a new thought for a lot of people, but it's really God's awake at six in the morning. It's quite radical. And so we're going to pray together on site. We launched this last, uh, last month. We had about 90 people, I think, between the Melbourne and the Sunshine Coast gathered together to pray. And it really is one of our key disciple-making strategies as so many people want to pray. We know we should pray. We'd like to pray, but we get distracted or we don't know how to or we're not motivated to pray. And I believe that there's a spirit of prayer that gets on us when we gather to pray. And so what we do in these prayer meetings, we spend the first half really workshopping or boot camping how to have a quiet time. It's practical. And I know so many people like, this has changed my prayer life as I've learned. So we'll be doing that. Scriptures on the screen, all sorts of things. And then the second half, we'll be praying for our incredible church, that God's purpose, that His plans, that His will would be done, that He'd watch over every member of our church, that we'd keep winning people to Christ and that amazing things will happen. So I will see you here or there on Wednesday this week at six in the morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going, aren't you? Come on, just nudge them and say, it's time you went to a church prayer meeting. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, today I want to launch a series that we're doing, which is all about financial discipleship financial discipleship. Uh, every few years, I like to, to spend a few weeks talking about what the Bible says about managing our money. Uh, every year, there's a number of topics that we will just uh, focus on each year, things like relationships, things like habits of following Christ, things like being transformed from the inside out, all, all sorts of different things. Every year, we'll, we'll do a fresh but different way of re-emphasizing that part of discipleship. But every couple of years, every two or three, I like us to delve into what the Bible says and what Jesus says about finances. Because if I'm going to be a disciple, that means I'm obeying the commands of Jesus. I'm fully surrendered. And that means my money. Sometimes I've seen people get baptized and they're about to be fully immersed and like, oh, I need to take my wallet out. I don't want my wallet to get baptized. But actually, it's probably a good idea if our wallet gets baptized. Because for some people, that's the big moment of surrendering to Jesus. So I'm beginning a series today that we'll do over the next four weeks called The Wheels of Financial Blessing. 
And if you've been in our church for a little while, you've probably heard me talk around this topic. Uh, and, you know, it's in, in essence, it's a, I've just written a book about it. It'll be coming out in the next couple of months. And so this is something that I've preached from the Word of God that's a balanced biblical approach to finances. And I've found that it's helped so many people. And I'm praying today that it helps you. When I was 21 years old in Nyora, Victoria, I borrowed my mate Phil's Tirana. Come on, have we got any Holden lovers in the house today? And so I borrowed his Tirana. It was his pride and joy. It was a hot car, mags. It was, it was awesome. And he's like, you can, yes, you can borrow it, but whatever you do, don't wreck it. Don't stuff it up. And of course, I'm driving very carefully in this car around the windy roads of, of South Gippsland. And, I, and as, as I'm driving along, to my horror, all of a sudden, I just feel this clunk and I see this thing go bouncing past the car. I see sparks out the back side of the, the, the rear mirror on the back left-hand side. And I realize that a tire has come off, gone flying past me, sparks, and we grind to a halt. And all sorts of things went through my head right then. And particularly, Phil's going to kill me was one of them. And in that moment, I learned a very valuable principle. Some of you wouldn't need this experience, but you'll know it. A car goes magnificently well with four tires. But when it's got three, it don't go so well. And so out of that little moment in my life, and then as a pastor helping people in their financial struggles, I, I came to this realization that lots of people struggled in their finances in all sorts of ways. I've seen people suffer from stress and anxiety because of their finances. I've, I've seen families and marriages break up over money. I've seen people compromise on their values because they're so obsessed with getting rich. I've seen people lose all their money because they wanted to get rich quick. I've seen people become workaholics chasing success financially. And I've seen Christians who give, give faithfully and tithe faithfully, discouraged and disappointed because they seem to be going around in circles financially. And out of this pastoring and teaching and even Danielle and my, our own experience and this, this memory of the car only, only going to a grinding halt with three wheels, a metaphor came to mind. And the metaphor was this, that if your car, if your financial life was a financial uh, your financial life was a car, it's going to be limited to one of four tires. And the four tires are this, the, a right mindset, wise stewardship, generosity, and a spirit of faith. You see, I know some Christians who, who feel like the answer to every financial problem is if I just give some more, that's going to change everything. I'll just give some more. But that would be like me saying, I know I'm missing a tire, but if I have a really big supercharged front right tire, everything's going to be awesome. But that's not how it works. You need four tires working together in a balanced way. And so part of this series that I'm going to share over the next few weeks, and we have Pastor Phil coming to preach on, on the spirit of faith for finances, which will be phenomenal. But part of the, my, my whole idea is that as you self-reflect each week, you'll be able to go, oh, this is my flattest tire, or this is my weakest link in my finances. And if I go to work on that, things will go well. You see, if you've got two flat tires, it makes a lot of sense that you're going to go around and around in circles. So that's the premise or the concept 
of the wheels of financial blessing. And so today I want to talk about the first one, and I believe probably the, the cornerstone of how this works, and it's a right mindset. It's the way you think about money, and does it line up with the Bible? And lots of us can think our ideas line up with the Bible based on hearsay, but if we've never studied the Bible really thoroughly, we can get this really wrong. So your life will go in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so your mindset is very important. And the Apostle uh, John writes in 3 John verse 2, Beloved, I want you to prosper and be in good health, just as your soul, your inner world, your mindset prospers. So if you're prospering in your thinking, it'll flow out into your life. And so I'm going to talk about a right mindset today. And I'm guessing that as I go through this, you're going to be able to identify with one or more of these mindsets. The first one is a poverty mindset. The second one is a materialistic mindset. The third one is a biblical mindset. When I was 23 years old in this church, we had a visiting preacher come in the Kiwana Community Center to preach for us, and he came in, would you believe it, a shiny new four-wheel drive. And as a young man who'd grown up in a, in a Christian home but a fairly religious environment, I looked at his shiny four-wheel drive and I thought, what is going wrong with this supposed man of God? How can a preacher drive a new car? Doesn't he know that money's the root of all evil? Doesn't he know that it would be really, uh, he should be selling that and giving all his money to the poor? And in that moment, I made a judgment about this man that was a reflection of my mindset. I thought I was being discerning. I thought I had a spirit of discernment about someone who obviously had a problem with money not realizing that the problem was looking at me in the mirror. And over the years, I've gone on this journey and, re and had to review, well, what, what do I think about money and what does the Bible say about money? See, I had a classic case of a poverty mindset. If you've grown up in some kind of religious environment, then this may well be something you struggle with. See, when you grow up in a religious atmosphere, you hear things like, oh, the, the holy ones take a vow of poverty. It's like, that's holy, that's the ultimate. Or money's the root of all evil. Or Jesus said to somebody, that, they, that and therefore to all of us, we should sell all our possessions, give them to the poor, and then we'll be holy. And this insipid thought, none of those things are actually the Bible. They're a twist on something in the Bible. It's not money's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Money's amoral. But all of those things get subtly twisted when you have a religious upbringing to rip you off. And so here's some signs that you've got a poverty mindset. And I'll, look, this is from, self from personal experience. Number one is you're judgmental about people who are doing well financially. That's just a sign. It's like, how could they do that? Why didn't they give that away? How can they go on that sort of expensive holiday? And it might not be verbalized, but it's an inner critic of those who are succeeding. This is what when a woman uh, broke a alabaster jar and gave a year's worth of wages to Jesus... Judas criticized her and said that should have been given to the poor. It was, a, it was the spirit inside of him that was railing against extravagant worship. That's judgmental. Another thing a poverty mindset will do is it'll make you feel guilty about being blessed financially. 
I know good Christian people who went out and bought brand new clothes, but then just couldn't wear them because they'd feel guilty. I know people who have bought, uh, you know, and, and for myself, this was such a journey. I used to wear uh, clothes that, that were secondhand, op shop, homemade clothes. My mum made me this awesome pair of uh, shorts out of tablecloth material, like yellow and black stripy tablecloth material. They had a, a, a Velcro fly. I wore them at university. It was just, it was, it was sensational. I tell you what, I was voted the most sexy legs in my youth ministry back in the day. And that's one of the many things Danielle fell for, obviously. So I had these, I had black and white striped shirts. I had vertical stripes, horizontal stripes, all the fashion faux pas. And I took pride in my lack of new clothing. I could afford it, but I took pride in it. That's a sign of a poverty mindset. I'm, I'm proud about what, if someone says to you, oh, I really love you, you sh- your, your new shirt. If you've got a poverty mindset, you'll go, oh yeah, I got it really cheap. Just as if to justify it. They're not saying, did you get it cheap? They're saying, I like it. You go, thank you. You don't have to justify it. So a poverty mindset will, will take pride in, a, in my lack of possessions. A poverty mindset will judge others and a poverty mindset will feel guilty. So when Danielle first took me clothing shopping, you know, I was, I was a work in project. And she took me to spend $30 at Burning Spears on a brand new t-shirt. I was freaking out. Who in the right mind spends $30 on a new t-shirt when you can get one for 50 cents from Vinnie's? But it was a mindset for me. It was a poverty mindset. And I'd feel guilty when, when we stayed in a nice five-star hotel for our honeymoon. I, I struggled with, should we be doing this? I mean, the backpackers wasn't a great option, but there was just this sense of guilt. And every time God's blessed me, I've had to learn to deal with the guilt, recognizing where's that guilt come from? It's not from God. And, And Paul gives us an insight of where that kind of guilt comes from when he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. Here's what religion does and demonic spirits that drive religion. They basically say anything that's enjoyable must be bad. You can't get married if you really want to please God. You can't have sex within marriage if you really want to please God. You can't eat this food if you really want to please God. Somehow our sincerity then gets attacked by demons and we're like, ooh, so if I pray 30 minutes, I should have really prayed an hour. Then I feel guilty. I just can never please God enough. What is that? That's not God. That's a mindset and a spirit behind it that says it's bad to have nice things. See, Paul writes to, uh, to, to Timothy the same letter, and he says this, 1 Timothy 6, command those who are rich in this present world. Okay, so he's writing to Timothy about the rich people in his church. Now, poverty mindset, John, if I wrote this, I'd write it like this. Command those who are rich in your church to stop being rich because they're displeasing God. That's how I would have written it. But Paul says, no, don't be arrogant. Don't put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God. So make sure their heart's right. Who what? Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
See, God's not a killjoy wanting to take stuff off you. He's a generous father wanting to give you stuff to enjoy as long as that stuff doesn't have your heart. So if you've got a poverty mindset and you recognize it, here's how you deal with it. You repent of that mindset. You have to rebuke the spirit that's behind it. You have to go to work on speaking the Word of God to renew your mind. And for many, it's a lifetime journey. God loves me and He wants to bless me and He's a generous Father. We'll get to that when we get to the biblical mindset. And then sometimes you've just got to spend something on yourself that you'd like, that you can afford. I'm not talking about putting it on credit, that you can afford and enjoy it guilt-free. Come on. So for those of you who have struggled with a poverty mindset, go and spend something on yourself and get delivered in Jesus' name. All right, I can feel a few elbows going on right there at home or in Melbourne. Number two, a materialistic mindset. This is the opposite. This is more the, the, the mindset or spirit of the world that we live in. If a poverty mindset leaves you guilty, then a material mindset leaves you greedy. So you'll be greedy. You'll be focused on money. You'll be stressed about money. You'll be anxious about money. It will, it will sort of permeate your thoughts. Having a materialistic mindset is not about whether you're rich or poor. You can, you can be struggling to make, make ends meet and so anxious and focused on money because of a materialistic mindset. Or you can be the richest man in the world but still not have enough because you've got a materialistic mindset. It's not about how much you have or don't have. It's about your focus towards money. A materialistic mindset will cause someone to be a workaholic. It'll cause someone to take shortcuts and compromise their values. It'll cause someone to be anxious about finances, jealous when other people prosper. It'll have an unhealthy focus on possessions. It'll mean overspending and getting in personal debt because I just need to have that rather than restraint. Ooh, it's getting a bit awkward, isn't it? Uh, it'll lead to us being proud and self-sufficient because I'm a self-made person. It'll leave us hating any moment that the church talks about money. And I know people who come into church and like, oh, oh, they're messing with my God. They're talking about money. They don't think they're messing with my God. But something on the inside is being provoked when we talk about generosity and a biblical mindset. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus made it quite clear. There was nothing else Jesus said, you can't serve God or this. Money was quite elevated in Jesus' discussion and conversation. You see, the love of money, it says in, in uh, the New Testament, is the root of all evil. The focus on money. money. Money's actually an awesome thing to have in our hands. If it's a matter of money or not money, you can do so much good with money. Money is a wonderful servant, but it's a terrible master. And when it controls us, when it dominates us, it'll leave us stressed. So the love of money is the root of all evil. I like to think of it like this. God created wealth as a blessing. It's clear in the Old Testament. Wealth is a blessing. 
Just the same as God created sex as a blessing. It's got a purpose. It's enjoyable. You have it in, a, in the right context of marriage, and it's a blessing from God. But when a demonic spirit of lust gets on sex and you get outside the boundaries and you get obsessed with it, then people get hurt. It can control and dominate a person's life, and it's the same with money. When a spirit gets on, on your world, your mind, your finances, the Bible often refers to that as mammon, then that spirit will drive you. It's, it'll grind your gears because money is dominating and it's, it's in your thinking all the time. See, the lie that comes from the spirit behind money is this, is that money will make you happy. That's the lie. The lie is that money will make you important. The lie is that money will solve your problems, that money will give you friends, that money fulfills your purpose. That's the lie from the spirit behind money. But all of those things are only things that God can do for you. Only God can make you happy. Only God can give you your identity and importance. Only God can help you solve your problems. Only God's the one who surrounds you with a family together. So here's the thing. Money lies to us and tricks us, makes us think if we've got it, everything's going to be good. But that's such a lie. And often when people get it, they're like, this is so empty. Why is that? That's a materialistic mindset. So how do we deal with a materialistic mindset? Well, Jesus demonstrated this. A, a rich young ruler came up to him, said, I want to serve you. I want to honor God. He, he gave him some instructions. And then Jesus peered into the man's soul, had compassion on him, the Bible says, and says, if you want to be right with God, you need to sell all your possessions and give them to the poor and come. And he was inviting him, come and be one of my disciples. Jesus recognized that this young man was controlled by money. And the only way for him to get free was to give it something sacrificial, to break its power over his life. Not so that he would be poor forever. Jesus had a treasurer. Jesus had, they had money. There was all this money Jesus had been given. People would look after his needs. At one moment, they, he said to the guys, let's feed all these people. And they said, well, that would take half a year's wages. Is that what you want us to spend? Like they had the money. So Jesus' crew weren't poor. So his invitation to come and travel with him was an invitation to become a disciple, an apostle, a world changer. But he couldn't do it because he was controlled by money. The opposite of that was Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Extremely wealthy, has an encounter with Jesus. And after his encounter with Jesus, this is what it says, he gave away half of his wealth to the poor. He didn't give it all away. He gave away half of his wealth to the poor. And anyone he cheated, he gave four times back to them. So something happened in his heart that then was uh, echoed into his finances. And if you struggle with the materialistic mindset, and I would say many of us, that's the world of the West. We're bombarded with messages telling us that money's the answer to our problems. Then the way to deal with that is very similar. It's to repent. God, I'm so sorry I've been obsessed or too focused on money. Lord, I repent of that. I rebuke the spirit behind money. I'm, I'm not going to serve money. I'm going to make it serve me. I'm going to renew my mind with what the Word of God says. And... I'm going to begin to tithe, we'll talk about that later, and give sacrificially. I find that I have to regularly just give something that hurts to make sure that sneaky sucker of materialism is not coming and dominating my life. That's what I have to do. Here, that's, a, that's the way that you break it. 
A fully surrendered follower of Jesus does not let money control their lives. They control money and it serves them. So let's get to the third mindset, a biblical mindset. Years ago, I began to get messed up with this. I had this poverty mindset and I heard Pastor Phil Pringle speaking about God wanting to prosper you and wanting to bless you. And I, I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. That doesn't seem to line up with my understanding of the Bible. So I determined not to listen to podcasts, but to read the Bible. I determined to go through the Bible and I got myself an exercise book. And I said, at the front, I'm gonna write down every scripture that says that God wants me to be poor. In the middle, I'll write down the scriptures that I come across that are indifferent about whether he wants me to be poor or whether he wants to bless me. And at the back, I'll write down the scriptures where it indicates that God wants to prosper me or to bless me. Now, here's what I found. I, I did not find one place in the Bible that told me that God wants me to be poor, that it pleases him to be poor. I read a lot about his heart for the poor and that he wants me to do something about that if I can. And I'm, I know for sure that the best way to help the poor is to not be one of them, but to be able to resource and be a blessing towards them. So, so it's quite clear to me, God's plan is not for Christians to be poor. Then I found a lot of scriptures that talked about, well, from God's point of view, it's a matter of being content with what you've got right now. It's a matter of not trusting in wealth. It's a matter of, of being generous, all sorts of things about that. So not putting my confidence in wealth, not being anxious about money. And then I found a stack of scriptures that indicated that God's a loving father who wants to prosper me and wants to bless me. And I realized I needed to go to work on my biblical mindset. So I'm gonna give you just a few things right now that I believe are quite, they're themes throughout scripture. And I encourage you, if you're not sure, go and read scripture with a new set of eyes. Take the, take the poverty glasses off and start with an open mind again. So here's some things that I found in the Bible. Number one, God's name is provider. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That's his nature. So he loves to provide for us. When Jesus turned up, his first miracle, water into wine, provision, like a multi-thousand dollar miracle. He multiplied food and bread. He, he, got, he blessed businesses, fishermen, all sorts of things. God is a provider by nature. And lots of people don't get that. They realize, think, oh, am I bothering God to ask him to provide for me? You're not, you're not bothering him. It's his nature. He loves it. He wants to provide for you. He wants to heal you. That's the first thing. The second thing is, he's a generous father who wants to bless his children. I love when the scripture says, uh, you know, if you ask your father for, a, for a bread, he won't give you a snake. I know I wouldn't because I try to not give out snakes. But he's a generous father. That means when you become a Christian and you become a son or a daughter of your heavenly father, then you don't need to be anxious about stuff. My kids, you know, when your kids are five, six, seven, eight, they, they never sat around in bed stressing about would there be food tomorrow? They never like, oh, I, I wonder, I, I probably shouldn't ask dad for an ice cream. I don't think he can afford it. Never entered their mind. They would ask with a confidence for provision from their father. And that's a natural father. Well, God's your heavenly father. And he wants to bless you. If your heart's towards him, he wants to bless you. He's a, he's a generous father. The third thing is, this is awesome. He delights in his servant's prosperity. This is probably a scripture that transformed my thinking radically. Psalm 35 verse 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. 
That's people who are all about advancing the kingdom of God. If, you're, if your heart's right with God and you're aligned to see the kingdom come and the church built, that's you. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. I, I said that scripture, I've said that thousands of times to rewire my brain. God, I'm all about your kingdom. I'm all about serving you and you delight in my prosperity. It gives you a kick when I prosper. When good things happen to me financially, you love it. That's a mindset, a theme of the Bible. The next part, just a few more things. You're doing, are you doing all right? We've got like another couple of minutes to go right there. Stay with us, Melbourne. We're getting there. Another one is this. Everything I own belongs to God. It's not mine. And we'll talk about that when we talk about wise stewardship. That means if it's God's and He says to give it, I give it. That means if God gives it to me and says, enjoy it, I enjoy it. Here's the thing. If I can't give something away, it's got hold of me. It's controlling me. So that's a test for whether materialism's got you. And it's like, oh God, I really love that car you gave me. It was awesome. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you so much. And he's smiling and delighting. And then one day he goes, you've really enjoyed that for a season. But I think uh, Harry over there should have it. Would you give it to Harry? And you're like, no. And he's like, well, no, it's not yours. I'll just let you have it to enjoy it. And now I want Harry to enjoy it. And, he, and you go, Okay, it's yours and you give it away. And then the way God works is he's like, I love that heart that's attached to me and obedient. I'm going to give you something better. That's how God works, a generous, generous father. Number, number four of these biblical mindsets, we're blessed to be a blessing. The blessing's not to stop with us. It's not for you and I to have 25 houses, 35 cars, 45 gold watches. We're not to accumulate. We're to store up treasure in heaven, the Bible says. So we're blessed to bless others, to meet needs, to finance the kingdom, to help the poor. That's part of a biblical mindset. And the last one is this. We should always trust in Him, not our possessions. Which means there'll be seasons when we don't have much and we're okay with it. We trust God. And there are other seasons where we just have an overflow and that's awesome. The Apostle Paul said this, I've learnt to go without and I've learnt to abound. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the biblical mindset. Whatever season I am, I'm in, I'm going to bless God as my provider. So let me summarize this today. This is the first wheel, a right mindset. A poverty mindset is guilty, feels guilty about enjoying stuff and judgmental of others. A materialistic mindset is greedy and stressed out about money. But a biblical mindset leaves us generous and grateful for all that God brings into our lives. I want to pray for you right now so that we can have the right mindset. Father, there's a lot of content there. There's a lot of thoughts there, a lot of Scripture there. And I'm asking for every one of us that you'd help our thinking align with yours. Father, for people who are watching, those in Melbourne sitting in the, in the service right now, I'm asking for those with a poverty mindset that you'd set them free. Reveal that demonic stronghold and set them free. For those who are serving the God of money with a materialistic mindset, I pray 
Let the spotlight of heaven come on that and break it in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that you'd help us. You'd help us to live in the knowledge that you're good, you're generous, you're kind, that you want to bless us and you want us to be a blessing. I'm asking for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, well, C3 Powerhouse Melbourne East, I'm going to release you back to Dan Frecker. God bless you. We love you guys. Have a phenomenal day.